Hello and welcome to the Six Cells podcast. This is Mike Nicholson from Six Cells. Today I'm going to be speaking to Barney Wolfock Smith, uh, the MD of EMEA for David. Barney, how the devil are you? I'm very well, mate. It's good to be here. Good, yeah, good to have you. Been a long time um, since I've seen you, and we were just reminiscing down memory lane there just before we came on air uh, about where we first met about 250,000 years ago or something <laughs> like that. So yeah. um, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different, I suppose, than the ones that we've um, we've done recently, because uh, we're going to be talking about what it's actually like to be in media sales or tech sales at the moment. Uh, market isn't um, as buoyant as it could be. Um, automation has enabled, shall we say, the explosion of what I call uh, spray and pray email. Um, inboxes are overloaded, um, and the and trying to get the attention of your ideal buyer is really hard uh, as a result. So, um, which is ironic because we spend a lot of our time uh, in media at the moment telling people about attention and how important it is and how to measure it and stuff, but we're not so good at um, it getting attention ourselves. And there's, I think, there's a, a number of problems um, and and reasons for those problems that we're going to dig into. So, yeah, if I was going to ask you to define the problem, Barney, where would you start? Oh, mate. Well, I think the first thing to say is, like, uh, to, for people listening, is how this came about, which is there are a variety of problems, all of which make me so angry mm. that I leapt on LinkedIn. And so when did I write that message yeah, to you? Yeah, actually only a few days ago. This is, this is like um, turned around in record time. Yeah, yeah, hot off the press. And so the, the problems, which I'll come on to define in a minute, annoy me so much. I'm not an angry person, but I feel such hot anger when I look at the state of this uh, system in inverted commas that it made me just jump straight on and go Mike yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I really yeah. feel the pain of this yeah. so if I were to think about it in a, a startup sort of way the problem as I define it is that there's a breakdown of the system to sell B2B products and services that's the macro problem and what it has created is an unbelievable situation where there is a lose-lose, lose-lose scenario where the company selling doesn't make sales, the individual selling uh, feels a, a lack of self-worth, frustration, they're probably not earning money, they're, they're not getting job satisfaction or, or, or job security. The person being sold to is so annoyed that they are you know, how many times a, a, a week do you see someone posting on LinkedIn, oh my God, I've got this yeah. inbox. Bar. And the WhatsApp groups that I'm sure you're a, a part of as well. That's, there's there's a consistent stream of, look at the state of this message that I've just received. Precisely. You know, like it's just exactly. poorly targeted, poorly written, so, that's so the third samey. Use. That's the third <laughs> yeah. use. And then as I was saying before, when we were, just before we were going on air, was that um, it also brings sales as, a, as an art into disrepute um, because it's been put in the hands of, as we were saying before, enablers who don't perhaps approach it with the subtlety and um, wisdom of a few years that we might have uh, to, uh, to do it in a proper way. So that's the problem as I see it. Yeah. I think one of the most unhelpful sayings that I've heard repeated ad nauseum in sales is that sales is a numbers game. And it is, right? But it's only a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's it's always been about quantity, but quantity with quality. Yeah. I used to run a sales, a B2B sales team, um, and I had uh, this one um, uh, salesperson working with me that got so obsessed with touch points for touch points sake that there was so little quality in them that he didn't get anywhere. He was just literally talking to himself because uh, and we're going to dig into what it's like being on, on the receiving end of this stuff uh, in a minute. So, so it's always been about um, 
quantity because if you only ever reach out to one person a week, then obviously you're not going to scale very quickly. But there's but there has so there has to be some quantity. But I think um, what I call smashing the quick and easy button, which is going on to um, uh, some sort of email provider where you put in that I want CEOs at companies in this industry in this geography uh, with, with this and number of employees now send this one email to all of those people mm-hmm. smashing the quick and easy button that gives you quantity no doubt yeah um, but where's the quality and I think another problem with that is that there are a relatively small number of very good sales trainers in the world that have trained directly or indirectly hundreds of thousands of salespeople yep. with the same script year after year after year. And so people think they're being quite cute and clever, I think, with some of the the ticks. I mean, if I never get an email again that says, quick question, Mike, yep. uh, it'll be too soon. But somebody's told them that that will create some sort of curiosity in me and it'll make me want to engage with them. But because they're only looking at it at the micro level, as in I'm sat here in my seat and I've got to make some sales. Yep. What they're not seeing is the receiving end and the sheer volume of Precisely. the receiving end and the number of times you see that exact same yeah. headline, right? And so as soon as you see it, that is basically, you, you may as well just say, get in the bin. Yeah. Because you know exactly what that is. That's a cold pitch. You don't know who it's from, and it's been sent to everyone. And the personalization in massive inverted commas is that they use my name. Yeah, exactly. And that cute affectation might have worked for a short period of time until the trick was done about one week later. Um, I always think it'd be amazing if salespeople could spend some time in a business receiving this shit. Oh, it'd be amazing. um, Before they then started writing it, because then they go, okay, this is... This is terrible, but they don't know it's terrible because they've been taught it. Well, this um, is and yeah, and, and you know they don't know what it's like to be on the receiving end of it because they don't receive so much because they're in sales, right? In any business, customer centricity, I think, is what matters, and that is exactly it. It's just understanding the people that you're selling to and the realities of their lives. It's going to be, you know, if let's say it's Martech, which is a lot of what we're involved in, so we're selling to marketers or. or um, those guys are so busy. They've got so much on their plate. They're under pressure at the moment as well because the um, uh, economic decline is hitting everybody in some sort of way. That you know, any sort of uh, filling of their inbox with unnecessary trivia, this avalanche of irrelevance, uh, is going to go straight in the bin. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I did some back of the beer ma- maths um, preparing for this uh, this episode, Barney, and. Um, I looked on LinkedIn Sales Navigator to look at all people in the world that are on LinkedIn and have a sales or um, a business development title. Uh, And the number was, um, it was something like 61 million people. Um, (laughs) So that's quite a lot of people. Like the population of the UK. Yeah. yeah. It's madness. So I I said, okay, so what if only 1% of those woke up tomorrow and decided to send a spray and pray email to 10,000 people? That's six... 0.1 billion emails going out on that on that given day yeah um and again on the micro level that individual seller thinking well that's okay because i'm here i'm going to write a very cute quick question mike type email and i'm going to send it to everyone and it's going to have their name in it which is going to make them really like think that this is for them which it doesn't by the way like it absolutely doesn't with that trick is 20 years ago i think um but when you are on the receiving end I mean, I, I spoke to a CMO about two years ago about this, and she said at that time, and I'm sure it must have got worse with the with the advent of 
you know, the way the technology is moving on. She got a hundred emails a day from somebody that she didn't know, had no idea who they were selling something that she had never heard of. And that doesn't even count the ones that her spam filter automatically put into spam. So they're yeah. the ones that actually made it through. Oh, the it's spam quite enlightening. Every now and again, when you look in your spam and you go, oh my God, I've actually only received X percent of this. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a shame. I mean, and, I'm, I'm and so sorry, just to, just to finish on that point. So, so what we've got is we've got each, so when the market gets tough, people get more desperate for want of a better term. So they send more emails, but all we're doing is we're, we're countering each other and we're making the likelihood of attention in the inbox even slimmer yeah. with every spray and pray email campaign that gets sent out. It's, it's killing the effectiveness of the channels that we have at our disposal. Yeah. LinkedIn and email. I saw Gary Vaynerchuk on Twitter the other day. I know it wasn't on Twitter. Uh, he was on TikTok. Yeah. Um, and he he was giving a talk and he um, love him or hate him. He, he's got some good ideas and, he, and he's quite a smart guy as it, as it relates to sort of marketing and the like. And um, he said, marketers fuck up every channel. Yeah, yeah it doesn't take <laughs> And he long. says, and I'm a marketer. He said, but we, we had email. Like when I was running my dad's wine business back like 20 years ago, whatever, email was a fantastically... Um, um, uh, relevant um, performance enhancing channel because not many people were using it but now there's so much in there yeah well I mean we're going to chat about the B2B buyer's journey yeah. I think email is still immensely useful in the form of newsletters but targeted to the right people and delivering the right information well to... I might challenge you on the newsletter thing let's get into that because yeah. um, I, I've got um, that's another thing that I think just gets ticked off it's on the like marketers list of things to do let's have a, a newsletter tick I, I don't know I can't think of a newsletter that I read but the sample size of one I know what but... about the flamboyance from David obviously <laughs> <laughs> uh, but apart from that, um, I don't think I'm on that mailing list, actually. Perhaps you shouldn't. Perhaps really? You should, yeah. Oh, man. To, just to drag me to that right away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you'll get four, four emails before lunch. Um, so where were we there? So we were yeah, talking Yeah, we're looking about... at the validity of, of email as yeah. a tool. So for me... And newsletters specifically. You mentioned the buyer's journey. I think that's a great segue into where we perhaps should go with this next. Yeah. Um, the, the buyer's journey, as we see it at Six Sales, is awareness is the first thing. No one's ever bought anything from somebody they're not aware of, obviously. I mean, this is not rocket science, right? Mm -hmm. uh, familiarity, which is a much deeper, um, more understanding um, of the company and, and what it does. So I might be aware of David, but have no idea what they do, how they do it, who they do it with, why I should care. If I know all of those things, then I'm probably quite familiar with David, as opposed to I've heard of them, I've seen yeah. them about. But heard of them, seen them about is better than never heard of them, right? Because yes. for evolutionary reasons, humans tend to like and trust people and things that they're familiar with. It's because you don't get eaten by something. If you didn't get eaten by it last time, you probably won't get eaten by it again. And obviously, we we, we still got similar brains, but a very different world that we live in. Absolutely. That's our language, mate. Yeah. yeah. So 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 once you've got familiarity, famili familiarity, I know the saying is breeds contempt, but it actually breeds trust mm. because we think, okay, I, I, I ate that berry nothing happened. I ate it again. Nothing happened. I'm familiar with that. I'm, I'm cool with that. That's in my sort of, I can trust that. I know I can trust that. Stranger danger, maybe not so much, but I can trust that. And then you've got interest, but um, that's, which is the fourth step. Now, I think most salespeople think that that's where the sales process starts. It's mm -hmm. that interest, i.e. somebody's raised their hand and said, I've got a brief and a budget. Tell me what you could do with it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't because you don't get that call and saying, I've got a brief and a budget. Um, what can you do with it? If the other bits, what I call below the surface, I, I put a picture on... Um, uh, LinkedIn of, of uh, an iceberg and the, the it was the reason above, I reached out to you. It was the reason you reached yeah. out to me. Yes. Yeah. Um, so above the um, the uh, the level of the water, you can see interest, 
consideration, which is when, okay, I'm going to do something here. I need to now see if there's another vendor that could do it better, cheaper, faster, whatever. And then the purchase decision. But actually, you don't get to that interest bit. You don't hear about that person if you haven't done the awareness, the familiarity, no. and the trust. And this is one of the things that I feel really strongly about is that it's the siloing of marketing and sales. You know, if we're talking for the, for, yeah. because it's the- It's the a world. massive problem, by the way. Before I started Six Souls, I worked at a company called Serious Decisions, yeah. which is now part of Forrester. And one of their major services was going into massive blue chip companies and helping them align sales and marketing because the bigger they get, the more of course. Um, disparate they become. And yeah. Different targets, different, you know, like, it's like marketers are from Mars, <laughs> salespeople are from Venus. Salespeople are from the pub, probably. But it, like, yeah. no, no, it's a massive problem. And the only reason I feel, I suppose, so strongly about it is that, um, well, firstly, I've witnessed it working well. When I worked at Unruly years ago, we had a very, very functioning, high-functioning machine between marketing and sales. Um, but also, when I was consulting after that lot, when I was working with small businesses, I was in a luxurious position to be able to be asked about both sales and marketing. So I was led to a very similar place about understanding that these two things need to work together. And in the iceberg, the bottom two-thirds is quite often in B2B sales, uh, a content marketing, a thought leadership position mm -hmm. where you're consistently uh, building trust yeah. uh, and, and, well, awareness in the first place through stunts or just standing out or, you know, mm -hmm. I use that flamingo from David yeah. Alergo as a flamingo, so I use the flamingo emoji. It's effective on because, you, you know, you, wherever <laughs> on, you are, you see it. Yeah, yeah, it's on people's calendars. I've yeah. actually got a flamingo t-shirt in my back. I actually <laughs> tried to do a similar thing with an orange heart, but I just got really annoyed when people tagged me that it said Mike Nichols on Orange Heart, it doesn't, it, in LinkedIn, it just, just doesn't look right for me. So I, I, I sort you of shied away by it. Maybe a little football for you or something. A little something, football, you know, yeah. yeah. Like but, um, but yeah, it's it's so that's the tying together of all that stuff that happens in content marketing. You know, the so the, the awareness coming through punchy thought leadership and having a, a properly provocative position on an issue. One of the things we're talking about now, you know, you're, you, you have this authoritative position on the way sales works or shouldn't work. And, um, and, and that's what Six Sales does. So it's having that, building uh, that trust through cadence at a suitable rate. And it's only as you're moving up through these levels of content mm. marketing and consistently feeding the sales team what that message is, who's getting that message, yeah. and, uh, and what is it. So there's a clarity and a continuity. We talk about a pink thread between the way that we talk about uh, our our mission, vision, values as a company, and we use exactly the same words when we're actually in a meeting with 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 our clients. So it's about building that content marketing that is exactly the same language with the salespeople. So when they reach that inflection point of someone putting their hand up and going, "Oh, actually, I'm interested in more effective sales," or "I'm interested in creative effectiveness," that yeah. they've got the tools at their disposal to make. At that point, it, it's kind of their job to do what salespeople should do: yeah. communicate effectively, uh, manage the sale, be charming, you know, close it down, make sure there's good after-sales service so that it's repeat business, etc. So it's linking those two things. Together. Yeah, I, I interviewed Marco Bertozzi as he left Spotify um, quite a long time ago now, it feels anyway, um, on the podcast. And I loved his saying, he said it was like, how many splashes of green paint? Obviously, Spotify is a green logo. Yeah. Can we get on the um, the client, the agency, so that, you know, they become sort of, he's basically talking about that bottom underneath the water. He's talking about awareness, familiarity, uh, trust. How many time, how many touch points can we get on them in a, with quality, not with spam, obviously, with quality, so that when they do have a brief and a budget, they think Spotify. Um, they don't think a another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you take that um, 
that that's six stages of the buyer's journey. So you've got awareness, familiarity, trust, interest, consideration, and purchase or not purchase. Obviously, that's another decision that can happen, which we, we don't like to talk about. But yeah. <laughs> um, the, the awareness and familiarity thing, I think that that's really important when we think about how we reach out to a potential client as well. So for me, when I receive an email in my inbox, there are a number of subconscious processes running. So there's a technical processes, which my spam filter might say, you're not even gonna see that because I'm pretty sure that's spam. So you yep. have the technical processes for filtering out what you don't need to see. And sometimes it gets it wrong, obviously, because you're like, I didn't get that email. And you go into spam and you realize that it's been Actually overzealous, useful. but yeah, you know, yeah. I'm never gonna get angry about that because there's enough of it in there. I mean, I think my spam filter's probably got more stuff in it than my actual inbox. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, there's a technical, side of it but then there's also the the mental side of it and i think you're asking yourself subconsciously a number of different questions uh you're scanning your inbox and you're and you're thinking do i know that person do, do, have i ever heard have i ever spoken to that person is that somebody that i have some sort of relationship with do i know the company do i know the problem that they say that they're going to solve do i have that problem do yeah. i have that problem now because that's different because i might have a list of 100 things that i'd like to do but the thing that they're talking about is number 80 and I'm not going to get to that for another couple of quarters because I've got one to 79 to do or whatever. Um, and um, does it sound like something that's been written to me or has this just been sent to everyone? Now, for me, that's really important because I went like, so I'll give you an example. My, my new website, check it out, sixsales.co.uk, little plug there. My new website went live yesterday. Uh, big thanks to um, Will and the team at Untapped for doing that for us as well. They've done a great job. Looks fantastic. Um, but thank you, mate. Um, but you haven't even looked at it, have you? Oh, no, no you're, you're, you're being what I was about to point out. So I get people that are in SEO or something like that. They say, oh, I've just been looking looking through your website. Your content's really good. Um, but I think there's a few things that we can do. And I was like, my, my website's not live. You haven't been doing that. You've just mm. sent the same message to everyone. And I get so irritated by that because it's it's, it's wrong. It's just, it's just it's a lie. It wouldn't take you long to look at a website or put it through, um, what is it, SEMrush, SEMrush or whatever yeah. it's called, and go, actually, this this has got quite a low authority score or whatever. I'll send him that information. Like You can send a screen grab. I've done it myself. Like to, so I looked at your website and this might be an issue. There's a couple of issues that need fixing or whatever. But they don't want to do that. They want to send the same message to everyone yeah. and play the spray and pray again. So in spray and pray... You know, there's um, what they call sequences, you know, within a lot of these software systems. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't get an answer within two days, come back. Yeah. yeah. Come back again. And I think that I'm not anti-automation by any means, but it, I just think there's a lack of planning in the way that it's used. I mean, I've been in systems where I've, I've managed teams that are using sequences uh, and I've done sequences myself and um, it's, it's time consuming. There needs to be thought, you know, you need to take the time to plan it effectively so that you don't need to reinvent the wheel every morning because what happens is people get lazy and then they just jump straight to the end you know do you want a meeting or do you want to buy some shit when actually yeah. that's not what the sequence needs to do the sequence no. needs to build trust and well, nearly every cold cadence. spray and pray email we receive jumped into the buyer's journey assuming that we're at number four you yeah, know we're at interest but it has they haven't established any awareness familiarity or trust we yeah. don't know who they are what they do how they do it who they do it we have none of that do you want a meeting so we can sell you something like, we don't have time to keep taking meetings like just as just on the off chance of what you've got might be any good you know so just assuming that there is 
a bright and shining future in the in the marriage of because we are of, let's say we're experienced never say old just experienced we come from a certain uh, a school of training whereby there's a personal touch you would craft an email having gone and done your homework about the company and the individual and all the rest of it but we also think automation plays a part in it mm. um if you were just doing some like individual outreach at the inflection point between marketing and sales how many because people ask me this, how many outreaches would you do a day to make sure that you've done that in the most effective way? So is this, it, it depends is the answer. So what is this? Is this Let's, cold? Is this br new prospects you're trying to New prospects who, so let's say for example, in, you know, I try and apply this to what we do at David. Mm -hmm. So we have thought leadership around key issues that we want people to know that we are the market leaders in. And we expose everybody to that through uh, paid stuff on LinkedIn and organically. And we go to events and we talk about that. And we target or try to target specific sets of individuals mm. within, as you said, we've actually got 100 key clients, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And then when it comes to actual sales outreach, we target, as near as damn it, the exact same people. So it's as you know, it's difficult marrying these things together exactly, but we have to work to an assumption that in terms of the content marketing, the warming up, the underside of the iceberg, those people have seen it, and then mm. we're at the inflection point. Yeah. Right, we're like, okay, we have to make an assumption that these people might be at the point of interest. Yeah, and so that type of cold outreach. Yeah, so so the way I would um, work with a client on that, I'd, I'd probably say hundred touches a day seems about right. But but that isn't necessarily touch points. That is, sorry, and, and yeah, touch so points any interaction about... between seller and buyer. It doesn't exactly. have to be a, an email. Yeah, it yeah. could be a social touch, and I'm, I'll come on to that. But. I would I would suggest that you if you think about that buyer's journey, think about where you think the prospect you're about to reach out to is on that. So there can be zero, which is never heard of you at all. Uh, yeah. Don't know who you are. Don't know who your company is. I don't know what your company does. Not interested. No chance. Um, then you've got awareness number one, uh, familiar familiarity number two, tr um, trusting because they've been familiar for a while. So Google, Facebook, example in our industry. Um, I, I know that seems wild with the with a number of uh, lawsuits that they may have had, but but generally no one got fired for putting Google or Facebook on a plan um, because it's kind of it's got to the trusted status within uh, the buy side of the industry now. Um, if you don't know where the prospect is, assume they're at zero um, yeah. and start there and start with softer touches that are less intrusive. Because um, for me, the inbox is for the familiar. It's to go it's somewhere to go when you're familiar with the person that you're speaking to. Mm. Um, if you think about the last time you had five minutes to spare, what did you whip out your phone and look through all your cold emails? Or did you go on LinkedIn and see what people are saying? Yeah, you know? precisely. People no. like people. That they like, and 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 that and they, you know, that that's all the more true if they're familiar with those people. So LinkedIn just gives you, if it's done well, and um, you know, you do it well. I would say, Barney. Um, Thank you. Um, and by the way, Barney isn't a client of mine. I'm not like just saying he's doing really well like, and secretly doing it for him. Um, well, I, I would like you to be a client of mine. Can I pitch you live here? You this would this would be a real one to one. Yeah. <laughs> strategy, what you need to do is you need to get a podcast, and then you need to bring people in one by one. It takes you about two hours yeah. of prep and, and recording, but it's an amazing pitch because you've got them. You've Hold got that them. thought. We should yeah. talk. But yeah. we should talk about Dipida later. Actually, yeah, yeah. Were you Dipida trained? Yes. Yes, we should yeah. talk about that because I think it's a forgotten art yeah. and it has a lot of um, value in thinking about how you apply your time 
to sales, yeah. but we'll come back on to yeah. that in a minute. So, so yeah, you said so you've got 100 clients, right? So what I would say to you is I would say, right, so you need to go into, you need a LinkedIn sales navigator account. It's a very small amount of money for what you get for it, in my view, if it's used well. Concurrent. And if it's used properly, because some people get it and say, oh, I haven't really used it. They forget about it. And then obviously it's a waste of money. But if you use it well, it's it's um, it's like the Rolls Royce of uh, LinkedIn, I think. And just again, just to be very clear, I don't work for LinkedIn. I don't have any sort of affiliate program going with them. I don't get any, um, I've probably sold a fair few LinkedIn sales navigator licenses to be fair, but yeah. not, but only indirect, indirectly. And I, and I truly believe that it's worth having. But so I would say, right, find those 100 companies on Sales Navigator and save them as leads. Yeah. What that'll do is that'll mean that when they're active, you'll have an alert, um, and I'll come to that in a minute. The second thing you do is you go into each company, and obviously this takes time to set up, but once you've got it, it's incredibly powerful. And then you go into each company and you try and figure out who are the people that have influence over the buying decisions. So um, it might be in a media setting, it might be where well, there's five or six people at the client um, so you might be at the head of their internal agency, the head of media, yeah. the head of advertising, uh, their CMO. And then at the agency, you've got the digital buyer, you've got the comms planner, et cetera, whatever it might look like. And you go, okay, these are the people that are probably behind closed doors when I can't speak to them and I don't know what they're saying. These are the people that are probably going to talk when they're putting together a media plan. Yeah. So I used to work with Joe Greger, right? Just a little uh, aside, who was 20 years in media agencies. And she said that sometimes what would happen, and quite often, more often than you might think, she'd go in with the media plan that the, the team had put together to present to the client. So she was the suit, if you like. And she'd present it to the client, and the client would go, what's this here? And if she couldn't do a good enough job of explaining what she was told you know, at, by the agency that that was, they go, no, take that off. We'll reinvest yeah. that back in the thing that they know. Of course, right. yeah. So get so we call that those people, those ten people. Let's say we call that a buying group, yeah, because they have influence over the buying decision, right? So then you save those people as leads, and you go through that over time. You end, you basically end up with about a thousand people. Let's say to keep the number simple, hundred companies, ten people per company, a thousand people that are saved in your LinkedIn. Now, when you come in in the morning, you go to LinkedIn Sales Navigator, look at alerts. That basically gives you a news feed only of your leads so yeah. it takes all the other stuff out of it and you can just way, look at do you do quite, this it's quite fun because uh, uh first of all like i'm getting free consultancy on it <laughs> um but secondly thank you for validating what we do okay perfect good <laughs> yeah um uh yeah but, so now you have every time those 1000 people do anything on linkedin get promoted get mentioned in the news move your post something comment yeah. on something you'll see it yeah so now you can join their conversations about what they care about because at the end of the day people care about them and theirs a lot more than they care about you and yours Absolutely, and in doing 100%. so you're becoming familiar now I, I, I joked with you um off air bef before we started here but you've got quite a a unique name and with the flamingo you're going to be really easy to stand out the way i do it is i have bright orange background because it's the six cells color i'm even wearing an orange yep. shirt as you can see on brand mate. um that doesn't yeah. work on audio but i am um and, and so that bright orange kind of stands out. If you look at a list of people working in media and you just went down, bang, 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 it stands out, right? So yeah. your flamingo stands out. So you have distinctiveness. Now, I know we should talk about that because that's what David's all about, um, distinctive, creative. Um, but we know because we tell our clients this all the time that attention is really important and standing out and differentiation and all the rest of it. But we don't necessarily do such a good job. I mean, I think every company, every company and industry has this problem of, of like they tell people what to do, but they're not very good at doing it themselves, yeah. you know. <laughs> The saying is the cobbler's children have no shoes. We're so busy doing it for everyone else, we don't do it for ourselves. Yeah. Which is a real shame because in this day and age, 
people don't want to be cold pitched by somebody they've never heard of. So if you think about the way that you would, so if you're launching an ad tech business right into the UK and, and you're, you're known in the, in the States, what do you do? The first thing you do, you get the most senior, well-connected person that you can find because they are the familiar bit. So that people may never have heard of Zog Media. I'm just made that up. I yeah, love they it. don't exist. And if they do, um, sorry, apologies. Zog. Yeah. Um, but you know, so but they have heard of Barney Wolfwick Smith. So they go, okay, so Barney's in my inbox. So he's familiar. So I'll look at that because I know Barney. I know who that is. You know, like and, and to a greater or lesser descent, but it's not a complete stranger. So that's what I meant earlier when I said that the inbox I think is for when you're familiar. So a lot of my new business, for example, will come via a similar route to how this podcast started. I'll get a DM. Uh, I saw your content. I've been following your content for, it can be, it can be years. Mm. I actually had somebody from a DSP uh, not, not too long ago get in contact with me and said, there's something you posted about six months ago about Samsung TVs. Can you find it for me? I was like, blew my mind because yeah. I think of the content as quite disposable, but obviously no, some it has a shelf kind of, life. Yeah, exactly. Shelf life. Anyway, I digress. So, so I'll get um, a DM and it'll say, um, I think you can help us. Um, can we have a conversation? And then we move it to email, right? Because yeah. now we have the familiarity. My content has built the awareness, the familiarity, the trust, the authority. You might add into that as well. Well, this yeah. guy seems to know what he's talking about to some degree maybe he's worth having a conversation with and then we move it to email got it if i'd have gone straight in uh, yeah. email hey i'm mike at six sales and i've been 30 years in this industry and i'd love to t tell you how your sales can be better it's like oh he's, he's yeah, yeah. He's it's gonna go in the bin along with yeah. the rest of it no i completely understand and um it's interesting the way that you phrase it to do with the touch points as opposed to the actual number of outreaches you know yeah. so it's those softer continuous uh, building of trust yeah and a lot of awareness into trust and familiarity awareness familiarity trust that's it yeah. awareness familiarity <laughs> trust yeah 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 trust so, is a byproduct normally of familiarity yeah. unless you're familiar in an infamous way like generally speaking okay i can i i can probably trust that company because i've seen spotify yeah. so many times it's big i know my colleagues have used it you know i'm so familiar with what they do how they do it and all the rest of it yeah. uh, zog media hmm, not mm, trusting that no. just yet i think if i put that on a plan my boss might have a few questions that's not on the preferred supplier list why on earth are you spending money with these guys yeah first question but, second question who the fuck is zog media <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i really hope there isn't a zog media now because it's yeah. gonna it's gonna sound like i'm being um derogatory and i'm not so so that so that's it but it, but but you'll notice there that uh, we didn't ask for any time we interacted without selling yeah. which some, uh, that, that's another saying in sales that i and think is super unhelpful always be closing it's couldn't be further worst. from the truth i mean that's again just, off just push before people we spoke. Off. yeah before we spoke there's i've always found somewhat of an ethical challenge in in sales that you know i arrived selling in 1990, October 1998, I picked up a phone in Croydon and started selling. And uh, that was at the back end of a always be closing, copies for closers, uh, you know, stand to, stand to command, you know, when you were pitching and all that nonsense, uh, which um, at the time might have worked because there were limited channels, LinkedIn didn't exist, email. In fact, we had one computer for the sales team. Yeah. Uh, one more than we had. <laughs> and, so, and so there was... Um, so let's not talk about experience, inverted commas. But um, so there was that mentality. And I think some of that still pervades uh, in the idea of, of, of modern sales. And it's so unfit for purpose. And it does, I think, feed into that it's a numbers game. And yeah. this kind of, um, 
bravado and uh and and lack of subtlety and thinking which is applied to it and it, you know that's where you get this lazy sequencing people jumping the gun um i've also we were talking about enablers earlier why does this problem exist i have to point my fingers at some of the people who, who who run these companies and asking a set of salespeople, probably younger salespeople, to leap in and do this sort of stuff. It's just, must be awful for them, you know. So I, I was very well trained as, as a salesperson. There's not, I don't think, yeah, me too. I, I don't think there's a lot of fun or joy or pride in a job when you're just launching out oh emails left, right and centre. Where's awful. the fun in that, you know? None. None at all. Finding and think, somebody and, and joining their conversation about something that they're interested in on, on social media is so much more engaging, rewarding, I think. I and mean, especially when they come back to you and then they continue the conversation. Yeah. I, I just find that really like a lot more thrilling than I've got to send this email to everyone that I can possibly get an email address for and just hope that a couple come back and buy something. I just Yeah. I have a I have a theory about three things that you need to know to be a good salesperson. Uh, which is, you need to know your market inside out, um, so you understand what your clients are worried about and what's on their plate day to day. You need to understand your product inside out, um, because obviously you can sell it, but also you're going to know what it can do compared to the competitors, and you're going to know if your product is pony or not compared to the competitors, mm -hmm. and you can make some decisions about whether to go to a better company or not. And you need to know yourself, right? And the thing is, salespeople quite often are reduced to being seen as some sort of sales monkey, which good salespeople aren't. It's a noble art. It's a mixture of art and science. There's an awful lot of research, an awful lot of structure and frameworks uh, uh, that go into it. And when you understand yourself and what you're good at and what you're not good at, then you can approach the market and be the best that you can be. Yeah. Now, I'm lucky as fuck in that I'm curious, you know? So... In this idea of asking open questions and being client-centric, it's easy for me. Yeah. I actually genuinely care about B2B enterprises yeah. <laughs> and how they operate. I'm curious. Yeah. How does your life work? It's like, oh, really? What are your targets? Well, are they? That looks difficult. How are you doing that? And that's all that open questioning piece that gains yeah. trust. And yeah, so yeah. this is why I blame, coming back to that original point, these enablers who are just thrusting cold, hard, make the numbers, make the sales, why haven't you made the numbers, their shit, sort of um, uh, impositions upon younger sales teams. Yeah. So I ran a poll, um, which I think is part of the reason you got in touch as well on LinkedIn, and it's and it's still a fairly small sample size. I think it's about 120 people have, um, oh no, 147 people have um, voted so far. Um, and I asked what happens um, in their life when they receive a cold email from a lead generation agency how do they typically respond? And the, and the, and the options, uh, I was asked for a fourth option to be added, but the options that I gave on the poll were delete it, move it to spam, or read it and consider the offer. Um, <laughs> would you like to hazard a guess on... Read the, it and consider the offer? Yeah. Sub five? Surprisingly, and it is a small sample size, and I think, and it is going down as more people vote, but it's 12%, really? which is quite okay. high. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's because you're connected to people who know what they're doing. <laughs> could be, there could be some biases in there based on the yeah. audience that get to see this poll, of course, yeah. Um, move it to spam. Uh, that's got to be 50 24 at the moment. Really? It's gone down a little bit because delete it's gone up um, as more people have... Um, have voted but what we've got there is we've got 
88% of people that either delete it or move it to spam, yeah. and then just 12% that read it. And then if you get a 1% response rate from the people that read it, um, my, again, back of the beer, Matt, uh, adds is if you send 10,000 emails, um, let's just make sure that these figures are the right, yeah, so uh, 6,400 of them will be deleted. Mm. Uh, 2,400 of them will be marked as spam. And hold that thought because I want to come back on that one. Yeah. 1,200 of them will be read. Um, so a 1% response rate of those that are read, you might get 12 respondents and let's say you convert three of them. So the question then becomes, are you willing to piss off the best part of 9,000 people in order to get three new sales? I suppose that's at the end of the day what you're asking. Are you willing to put your brand out there in an annoying way? That's Uh the first question. The second question is, you might know this, I don't. I don't know at what stage Google email and the other uh, email domains blocks you from all email. Um, I don't know how many times you have to be marked as spam before you can't get into anybody's inbox. I've but never transgressed. Yeah, sounds like a lot of complaints. It does. In a fairly short space of time because you're spamming people. Yeah. You're literally, there you go, have that. Yeah. Um, so then do you then suddenly realize that now your whole domain is blocked? So, yeah. so oh, you I have can't seen. even get in the inboxes of your current clients now because the email was looking at it and going, nope. I have seen people talk about setting up a separate domain. For, for their spamming via their automated tech. Yeah. Which, that's like that's like putting a plaster on a gunshot wound. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely yeah. appalling. Yeah. And with regards to your first question of like, am I willing to piss off, you know, 9,950 people to get 50 valid leads in one possible sale? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. it's, I just... And how sustainable is it? When do you run out well, of it's people? It's not slash and burn. Yeah. And, and again, it's, you know, when I said, uh, I can't remember if I've said it on air before, but hot anger is what I feel yeah. when I see all this stuff. And it's because I, I just hate waste. And as well as, I've already talked about the youngsters who, who you know, potential and sharp end of this. Clients who are good mates and, you know, they're on the sharp end of this. But it's the waste as well, of effort and money and time. And it's just filling the world with nonsense. Yeah. Um, so well, I hate it. For, for a definite, in, in looking at those numbers, there's 2,400 emails you'll never email again because you'll just go straight into spam because they've marked you as spam. But then you've got the ones that were deleted, uh, which is a, a really big number. You, know, you might be able to reach them again potentially, but then maybe they turn from a deleter to a spammer. Um, mm. It just—it feels like a really risky strategy to me. As uh, the domain thing probably makes sense, I would imagine these lead gen agencies have probably got s- like loads of domains and they just burn them. Oh, and that one's down. We we'll use another one. We we'll use another one. We we'll use another I mean, one. Obviously, I suppose that's I've, the only way it could work, right? Exactly. I've never had to use it, and nor do I spray and pray. Mm. So it's not a problem that I've had to deal with. Mm. But yeah, I suspect you know what it's like at the bottom of any uh, kind of. Uh, desire to scale there's always some underbelly which is finding a way of hacking it and doing it in a not very professional way so i'm i'm sure that's probably the case yeah so when we were talking just before there um it sounds like your your processes are quite similar to to what we do at six cells and what we 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 sort of teach clients so maybe you could maybe let's just say um i'm gonna make a brand up what who are these who is this uh no branding on it. This is a terrible bit of branding. Okay. Uh, Lilliput monitors. Let's just say you wanted to speak to Lilliput monitors because that's the first brand in front of me. Yeah. How would that, from the from zero, so these people have never heard of you, don't know what you do, don't know who you are, Where? how would you go about sort of getting into that account and, and ultimately leading them from cold to close? 
It's the ground up, mate, as we were saying before. So this siloing of marketing and sales, forget all that. Luckily, we're a small company at David. So I'll, I'll kind of, I mean, this is the model that we use. So this is what I would do to reach Lilliput, you know? Um, the first piece, if we're looking at the, buyer, the B2B buyer's journey, you need to go right back to uh, the core of what your marketing is. So before we started at David, we sat down and we went, right, we actually started with mission, vision, values, so we went all the way back. But at the very least, you need to start with um, what are our, what's our core messaging? What do people need to know about us? What is the aware, the thing they need to be aware of? And then develop um, uh, a, an annual strategy around being thought leaders in that particular thing and make sure that goes out into the world with uh, a regular cadence. Now that you can do big stuff, we call them peacocks because everything we do is to do with birds. So once a quarter, on top of our messaging about creative effectiveness, we have a quarterly peacock, and that could be anything. I'm, uh, I'm about to release a, a bird book about emotions, uh, so that will be our quarterly peacock for Q4, and do that sort of stuff. So this is at the bottom of that um, iceberg in terms of reaching Lilliput monitors. So that's your high-value, deep-dive piece of content once a quarter. Yeah, yeah, once a quarter. There's consistent messaging every single day, which is creative effectiveness. And so for Lilliput, you know, hopefully they'll be like, oh, wow, creative effectiveness, that's something interesting. So it's the effect of water on rock. But then, like, every now and again, there's this peacock coming out of David, which is saying, right, oh, these guys are, are the creative effectiveness experts. Oh, these guys are the uh, leaders on emotion. So that's coming out. So we're building up now. We're going up through um, uh, our awareness into familiarity. And then... There's a cadence every week. I call it the perfect repeatable week. So each week I've got like a list of uh, five things that I talk about, uh, creative effectiveness, emotions, the attention economy, products, and then Friday have a bit of a laugh. And um, so that happens every single week. So that, moving up the B2B thing again, we're then getting towards this point of like, uh, okay, trust these guys. I see what they're talking about. And you do that, right? You do that as you, not as the brand. I do that as a, I know we'll differ on this, but <laughs> maybe we should have a chat about this. Yeah. But yeah, I do that via the brand. Okay. Um, because I want to build that, the authority from that. Mm -hmm. And I know that theoretically I could travel a lot further if I did that from my own uh, yeah. account. But I tend to do a mix of the both. Okay. And we'll talk about that later. A mix of the both is right. You, you so, can't not do the brand because you know it's important but yeah. people pay like, I, I always say that if you if you thought about LinkedIn as if it was a trade press site you were the content and your company is the advertising yeah, and so, exactly. so people pay attention content to might people. get four minutes at, uh, advertising 1.2 seconds or yeah. whatever for a standard so display. coming back to Lilliput right yeah. so um, Lilliput are now looking at us and going oh yeah cool they're the thought leaders have got this awareness blah 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 we're moving up we're moving into trust and familiarity and then uh, we capture a lot of um, emails in, our, in HubSpot uh, so uh, that in my mind is is kind of like and I actually, I want to Capture them from where exactly? Where, where uh, are they from, from HubSpot, they're captured automatically through the people that we speak to by okay. email. Yeah. Uh, and nothing, all of it's done with complete compliance. So I'm very keen to make sure that we do that. Um, otherwise, what's the point? You get bounces and it, it, it ruins what you're trying to do with your email marketing. I once had, uh, I was at an award ceremony, sat next to um, the CEO of uh, Eurostar at the time. And he just said, oh, all of our interactions are like... Uh, 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 just throwing uh, uh, attractors in the water and then the email's just a big net that catches them all. So it's not quite like that for us, but if I'm trying to talk to Lilliput, 
our newsletters I tend to try and make properly interesting. You know, no bullshit, just one thing about yourself, but a couple of stuff which is stimulating for the reader. Uh, and that's the point at which it flips us over into having, I feel, much more consideration-style conversations. Yeah. So those people that I know are receiving that, those are then some of the people who will be receiving our output. So Lilliput, they, uh, that's the point at which we would consider, we'll, we'll be doing softer touches all the time mm. across social, but that's the point at which we'll move it to the next stage. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, you know, it'll all be incoming, but that doesn't happen. No. So, you know, there needs to be outreach to make that happen. And then we move up through the, the sales process of, of, of actually, you know, having a proper, could be an RFP, could be just identifying a challenge they have, and then you go through the sales process. Okay, that's how I'd reach Lilliput. Love that. So yeah, I think I think a mixture of brand and and personal profiles is spot on. What a lot of people do is just leave it to the brand. Um, and as I mentioned before, brand is like the advertising. It's if you see a brand in, I mean, if you look at your LinkedIn newsfeed, three out of five probably at the moment are company posts or. Um, ads which are again company posts but that have been put through the advertising process um and so people tend to um show up more uh, stand out more so leading from your personal profile towards your brand um, is one thing i would would add to that the other thing i would say is if you follow lilliput the company page um there'll be a frustrated marketer at Lilliput that's trying to push marketing out via their Lilliput brand as well and it's tumbleweed they're not getting very many likes the what the likes they do get are from their own staff um so if you show up in the comments yeah with a thoughtful something or another in the comments you're going to be like a hero to them because they spent ages Ooh. putting that content together and everyone's ignored it but you didn't ignore it you heard them yeah uh, you're very good at this mike <laughs> don't think i don't notice it okay. it's good yeah i mean i know it's obviously what you Thank do you. bless you very good um and then the last thing is um the 10 people that would be in the in the buying group for lilliput um are you following those people are you engaging with their posts about what they care about without even mentioning what you do unless it's really like a slam dunk unless they say oh creative effectiveness what should we do with that you know and in which case yeah, obviously they fill your boots but um if they're talking about sustainability or um you know email marketing or whatever they're talking about join the conversation because it's a social media platform no you're so it's, right mate. it's facebook uh, for bi for business people yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. i can't have an awful idea yeah. <laughs> but yeah um no, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Time is, of course, an issue. Uh, you know, there's only so much time you can spend on LinkedIn. And I do spend far too much time on LinkedIn, I think. But um, those softer touches are something that I could definitely do more of and we could do more of as a company. But, yeah, you know, you do what you can in the time you have. They're a lot more impactful than I think the problem with um, that's another saying I'm going to say that's quite unhelpful is um, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And that's um, not. Right, I don't think. Um, I, I think that if you believe in the process, and I've seen it work for so many people, I, I believe 100% in the process, building a relationship with somebody before you ask them for anything just makes sense, right? It's kind of really obvious yeah. that if that person knows you. I, there was a big um, brand, a really big uh, B2C brand I wanted to get into. I wanted to get them on the podcast. I engaged with their content um, without mentioning anything about me at all just all about them i then um found the piece of their marketing which i thought was brilliant and i put it on I, it was a tweet and i screenshotted the tweet and made a post out of it yep tagged the right people within the brand huge viewership inside that brand 
I then sent a connection request. I'm now familiar. I'm that guy that just said that their marketing is really good, you know. And so yeah. they connected and I got them on the podcast. And it was a fairly short turnaround. But the awareness piece was genuine and specific to them. It made them feel special. I only tagged one person in that post. So it wasn't like, and here's the 250 people at Specsavers that I might like to get the attention of because that's spam, right? And that's, that's what that is. But I, but. Now you can't, you, I can measure that because I got them on the podcast, so it was a success. But a lot of that stuff goes on inside the minds of your prospects. Of course, and it's not and written or measured. Your open rates go up a little bit, Yeah, but you won't really know why, but it'll be because you're more familiar, I, I guarantee it. Yep. You'll find your response rates go up a little bit, um, and because you can't link that to that. We were talking again off air, weren't we, about people not spending money at the moment in a, in a, in a tough market, unless they can sort of almost guarantee in their mind that they can track that to precisely to a return on investment, yep. uh, which makes brand advertising very difficult um, because you can't measure brand advertising tomorrow or next week. That's a, a long-term investment in, in your brand, whether that be your personal brand or your, or your company brand. Um, but it doesn't make it less important. Just no, because not you can't all. measure it doesn't so, mean it's not important. I kind of do, I, I do believe generally speaking and manage what you measure, but there's part of me, right which is just just and you've been in sales for years so you so know how do you measure your linkedin output um oh i've, your I've, got, a, I've got a set of metrics that okay. i that i measure to do with how you know organic views um perfect a bit of engagement you know yada yada stuff like that but what i'm talking about is cold hard cash yeah right and uh it's been fabulous growing david's social presence actually which i've been responsible for i've, I've done everything on it and um it's so interesting. Sometimes we'll go into meetings and people say, yeah, I saw that. And, and, and I know that the information is in their head. Mm. And, and they've actually sat there and told me because it's of, of that. But I, there's no way of actually measuring that. You know, so as I said, I, I measure the KPIs in as hard a way as I humanly can. But my gosh, I fully understand and believe in this kind of, you know, as I've said, sales is art and science and the art piece and what it's actually doing behind the scenes and building the earlier stages of the buyer's process okay so, yeah so we've can talked we, a lot about the go on go, go, sorry, I go on. Say, yeah could we talk about um customer centricity yeah. and uh the idea of so are you familiar with the jobs to be done sort of framework it's a very startup-y thing right so as, as you probably know i spent a lot of time in doing startup stuff so that's going right from the ground up like who are we what do we do what's the problem we're solving what's the value proposition and as part of that process you go through jobs to be done and jobs to be done is a really deep look at your buyers your buyer personas and you get right into not just like what's the job title but it's like my belief is that you need to think about these people as humans and you know we've already talked about what's their behavior when an email lands in their inbox you know it's like what's their life like you know what's what's this person's kpis uh how long uh, have they done two jobs before both of which were a year uh and now they're in a bigger company what are they actually trying to do? Are they just, you know, is it a phone seeker or is it someone who actually just wants to settle in? Do you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And you're really getting into the mind because I feel that's where the future lies is yeah. like proper customer centricity. We all know if you, if you, if you tell not sell, you know, you're just talking about yourself and you wouldn't walk into a party and just go, hi, I'm Mike and I do this yeah. thing. You know, you, you, you're interested in other people and what they do and what motivates them. And I, I feel in terms of planning the way that you do your social selling, planning your content marketing outreach, 
all stems from an understanding of what your your yeah. buyer exactly looks like. Not their job title. I'm talking about, oh, I've seen that this person spends 50% of their time getting around the world going to conferences. And here's the stuff they talk about. And here's what seems to get them excited on LinkedIn. And it's an understanding beyond the, yeah. you know, it goes right into that. If life. you're doing it, I mean, you'd get no argument for me. Um, our tagline is people shape comms, right? So you're so putting people at the heart of it, you'll get no, absolutely no argument. The, the trouble is the time it takes. So if you've got 100 clients and 1,000 people, to get that deep with a thousand people will take a lot of time. I mean, if you can do it, amazing. Like because yeah, why, why yeah. wouldn't you? Um, I, and I, I, I um, we we have a, a framework at Six Cells where we start off with who are you trying to talk to, and to be honest, it's normally at a title level. Yeah. And then what company type of companies are they in? Yeah. So it might be if you're an SSP, let's say like it might be okay. So we're trying to talk to media buyers um at agencies we're trying to talk to the heads of commerce at publishers and we're trying to talk to other ssps and dsps and the like so okay so what do you want to tell them you know what are the topics that you want Got to it. talk to those people about yeah and i mean so, it's very similar it sounds like you, it, you know you, you but it's well, it doesn't sense. sound like we go as deep into the so so we're not going into okay so barney likes this that and the other we're going into this is their job um, broadly speaking, but and just try and be cognizant like. of it. Yeah. You know, you can't, you're right. You can't do that for a thousand people. But as you're, you know, uh, at the inflection point between marketing and moving into sales, that's why I think it's really, really important. It's interesting you call it the inflection point, and a lot of B two B companies are set up that way. But I don't. I think that there should be a lot more crossover than there is. So in a in a classic B two B company, okay, yeah, awareness, yeah. No, familiarity, or trust is dealt with by marketing. Yeah, and then somebody raises their hand as being interested, and then that's qualified yeah. as a lead or not, and sent to sales. But I think salespeople should be a bit more marketing, so they should be thinking about, okay, what what does my Q four? Let's let's go further out. What is my Q one target likely to look like? Of the people in my top one hundred list, who am I likely? Who have I got a bit of traction with at the moment in terms of? they seem to be engaging in a sales conversation, that might be a Q4 opportunity. Mm. Who have I kind of maybe shook hands with at an, an awards ceremony or had a bit of a one-to-one -one with back and forth on LinkedIn or whatever it might be? Maybe that's a Q1 opportunity. So maybe now yeah. I need to start softening that up and really focusing on how I talk to that person without asking for anything so that when Q1 comes, they're fully familiar with who yeah. we are, what we do, how we do it why they should care you're right uh, no you're right it's not an inflection point it should be right throughout it it, it is in be, a lot of companies but i, yeah, I just yeah. think it should be so, a lot more blurred so from a practical point of view what should be happening is there should be um regular meetings if not you know that if that's not possible then at least updates of specifically what's happening in marketing and yeah. the awareness of what's going out to market with the salespeople to arm them with all of that information so that they understand and there's a linkage between the two things and that yeah. should be throughout yeah i was lucky uh, again i unruly where i worked we we had a highly functional um marketing and sales operation sat next to each other yeah. and we were feeding each other information so in market we were telling the marketing team what we're going on marketing team were coming up with great stuff for us feeding the sales team and it was a fantastic upward cycle mm. so it's something i try and mirror at david where i can yeah for sure but there's a there's an absolutely wild situation in so many b2b companies where marketing 
spend all of their time trying to create leads and then they get leads and then they send them to sales and sales don't follow up on them because mm. they have lost some, there's some sort of trust that's been lost it, it, between it, sales and marketing. And so I, yeah. all of that money has been spent and time and effort and yeah. blood, sweat and tears to create a lead that never even gets it followed boils, up on. It boils my piss and blows my mind in equal measure yeah. when uh, hard won um, uh, uh, interest yeah. and is not utilized. Yeah. You know. And I was, I, I was speaking to a guest on the podcast um, not too long ago about this. If you and, and you you mentioned it, sales and marketing alignment. So if your marketing team are there to support one hundred percent the sales team and help them to look good themselves, then the point of sale, which is your salesperson, is the point that is the point at which all of the content's being delivered through. Yeah. And then when Barney is interested in um, social selling training, he knows Mike. He knows Mike because he's yeah. seen loads of stuff from Mike. I'll just ping Mike rather than, oh, I'm interested in, I've seen us some stuff from Six Cells. I'm going to email hello at Six Cells and then that'll get, I mean, we're not big enough for this to happen, obviously, because yeah. there's two of us, right, full time um, and we're pretty aligned because we're married. Um, but, um, <laughs> uh, actually, maybe that isn't a, maybe that, that isn't an assumption. That we no, you're doing well to be aligned, but, especially uh, after the pandemic. Yeah. Well done. Third time we've worked together, <laughs> I don't know, run for punishment. Um, but, um, yeah, so rather than it going through to a contact us form, marketing going, oh, I think this is a good lead, and then sending it to Mike, and Mike going, yeah, I'm not so sure, I'm not going to bother with that, actually. Um, you get to go to the direct person that you're going to have that sales conversation with. So the continuity for the, and you talk about being client-centric, yeah. is I'm quite interested in this. I'm going to reach out to the person that I've seen talking about this because essentially, as far as the company is concerned, you're their rep, right? Yep. Um, and, and and that conversation can start. And you're not going to ignore it. If if, if Barney emails Mike uh, and says, I'm interested in this, I'm not going to go, oh, I probably won't follow up on that because it's come directly to me. I can see it. I can yeah. touch it. I can feel um, it. I was going to talk about as well, like um, the growth. Again, it's quite interesting coming out of doing a lot of startup stuff for the last few years is the growth of the CGO, the chief growth officer, mm. which kind of started with the startups. And I've now seen it increasingly applied to MarTech startups and, and bigger businesses as well, where sales marketing and quite often product comes under the same person's yeah. remit, which to me seems like the right yeah. way forward. Um, it's not always properly done because I think the word growth is is a bit of a scourge in our industry and is misinterpreted as just either hacking the system or spaffing out tons of automated emails or whatever it might be. But a true uh, cerebral CGO will be able to just put in place the framework for marketing and sales to work together and to, yeah, yeah it's just sensible and joined up. And sit together and so, and be yes. specific. So um, yeah. just going back to the account-based selling scenario where you've got um, all of your companies and people saved in LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And let's say, for argument's sake, um, you're not getting any joy with, let's say it was Mercedes. You desperately want to sell to Mercedes because you think you've got a really good proposition for them, but the agency aren't really returning your calls. You're not on their supplier list, so you're not getting any joy there. The client doesn't know you, so they're definitely not going to get hold of you. So what can I do as a seller to get their attention? Mm -hmm. So if you're sat with marketing and say, right, what have we done for a car brand that Mercedes would be really interested in. Can you give me a bit of content that talks to that and I'm just going to send it to them? Say, hey, Mr. Marketing Director, Mrs. Marketing Director at um, Mercedes, um, it, here's a case study for BMW that, yeah. we, that we did which helped them do this, this, and this. As you work at Mercedes, I thought you'd be, be quite interested. Now, another thing that I learned from Joe that I used to work with that did 20 years in agency, she said quite often 
clients love that stuff because a lot of her job would be finding competitor intel that she could then feed back to her clients to show them what the other what the other lot are doing if you like in, yeah. in their in their particular jobs um, to be done yeah and this is it again it's like what I did some research for a client actually when I was consulting a while ago, which is what type of content do, uh, this was in the US, what type of content do U US C-suite want to see and why? And uh, I mean, what it was was like video and, you know, in terms of practical stuff. But the reasoning why I found most interesting was two things, was um, one, to actually educate themselves and you stay on top of what they needed to in their industry. But the other one was to have good shit to talk about mm. as a C-suite person. Yeah. You know, so again, it's just being very cognizant of what you can deliver yeah. to those people. And being specific because, you know, you can send out the BMW case study to every client, but, you know, does, does a serial manufacturer care that much about what you've done with a car? No. Um, and, and, and again, I would say that that marketing then goes out from the person who looks after the media agency and the client Mercedes um, so that there is a there's a thread that should they want don't ask them for 30 minutes to jump on a call or here's my calendar link for God's sake because it's just you know it's not gonna happen they know how to get in touch with you you got in touch with them so they know what to do if they need any more you don't need to say that right yeah. so another thing well, well I'll disagree with a lot of sales trainers because they'll say now you, you must have a call to action on there so, not necessarily, not if it's a soft touch, not if you're in the awareness and familiarity stage. You don't need to say, can we have 30 minutes to chat about this now? Because you're not there yet. You're just not there yet. No, I'd kind of agree. Kind of agree. <coughs> it's, it's funny, being of a certain age, sometimes I feel compelled. <laughs> oh, yeah, and of course, and, and the commercial imperative. And I've done it myself very recently, and, and I get annoyed with myself because I think I know that wasn't it. the right thing to do. But yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. snatched it. You thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go because I, I, I really yeah. want this client. And like, of course, you just get blank. Haven't delivered enough value. It's not um, a sales messaging conversation yet. It's a, it's a soft marketing communication. Now, this may or may not be interesting to our listeners and to us for this conversation, mm. but I've mentioned Dipida earlier. You did. Which... What does it stand I, for, Barney? It stands for, I've got two versions. I've got okay. the real version and then the version which is uh, sort of the wrong one. So the real version was define, identify, prove, gain agreement, build desire and get action. Uh, so that's the sales process. But sometimes we would refer to it as deafen, intimidate, push, argue, disorientate and attack. Wow. And the second Aggressive. one, the second one, that feels like the world that we're living in. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And it's ironic that we came up with this. In you didn't like, put that on the internet anywhere and people have picked it up and just run with it. <laughs> yeah. But this is like 2000 and, I don't know, 2001. We said that as a joke. And now here we are, you know, 20 odd years later and that's the world that we're living in. In the reality. But, I, I was doing some sales training for a company I was working for a little while ago. And uh, I went hunting for Dipida. I just, I just needed a slide for, you know, to bung up. And it kind of disappeared. Yeah. You know, now my understanding was that like Aida, attention, interest, desire and action, uh, it was more to do with phone sales. And it was, you know, from cold to close in three and a half minutes or whatever. Mm. But I still think the principle of it can be applied to yeah. modern sales if you look at the, the whole b2b well i've seen dave trot talk about ada in terms of advertising has he uh, right yeah, i haven't yeah. seen it no yeah. no but it's i just think it's it, it's fantastic especially when you start to be honest it's it's rather than the whole b2b buyers process it's something which manifests much more once you've got interest and you start to get into a room with people but this 
idea of slowing down at the start of the process, definition, asking questions, under, gaining understanding. What is it that identifying the stuff that is on my client's minds? Yeah. And that could be a business problem, or it could be the fact that they want to get a promotion, or it yeah. could, do you know what I mean? Or they maybe want to earn more money and fame, whatever, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and then P, prove, proving. All oh, right, so through that gentle you know, bottom half of the iceberg, awareness and trust and et cetera, you've been able to glean the information about what it is that those people really need and prove that you can actually uh, do it. Uh, gain agreement is more of a closing thing. You know, if we can solve this problem for you, would you be willing to buy? And um, but the desire bit is exactly what you're talking about with social selling, you know. Um, yeah, but I think Dipita or Ada, all of them tend to come in as a sales process anyway, certainly, um, at interest. Does. So they still don't do the bit before that because somebody is now in a conversation with you and if you're in a sales conversation, that's when those things are amazing, right? To Right, True. let's kick off from here and let's define the problem and let's, you know, find the pain points. That awful saying which um, people seem to like, what keeps you up at night? You know, I just, um, I can't use that personally, <laughs> but um, yeah. it's that kind of Oh idea, my God. Yeah, so. I think I saw that on an email recently. Mm. But, um yeah, insomnia I, uh, is the answer in case anyone was. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> interested. It's boxes actually for me, yeah. but um, no. The reason I say it, as I agree, it does come in at a certain point within that whole process, but it's indicative of a certain methodology and thought process of being applied to sales, which has gone. <laughs> you know, yeah. people are straight in with the action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I can understand it because like, I've got a number to hit and I need to speed things along. But that's trying to move things along at your speed, not the buyer speed. And you talked about being client centric. Clients, I, I, they don't really care that you've got a number to hit. You know, they've got a business to run and they've got lots of other things going on. So they're not going to be like really quick and get to the point for you. You know, they'll buy when they're ready to buy. Yeah. Um, and we, we have to about... fit into that, unfortunately, which might mean that you need to speak to more people in order to get your number yeah um over a longer period of time but just yeah the, the we, were talking about, spray, we were talking about enablers as well and it's that lack of understanding of people who might be coercing salespeople into a position where they are jumping the gun and it's a lack of understanding of how to walk the hallowed corridors yeah. of power in a large fmcg you know the way yeah. budgets ebb and flow the fact that teams might not work together in x way you know so a great example right so i've seen a couple of people recently that have been um unfortunately made redundant from their roles um because they were brought in to do a client facing sales job and within a year they hadn't turned that around and so it was deemed a failure so a, a client like a brand client um direct sales role you don't measure that in a year, not for me. Like, like that's two, yeah. three, four, five years. That's an that's like brand, right? That's an investment in your future. Yeah. You don't just send a message to the CMO of Mercedes and they get back to you and jump on a call. It just doesn't work. Hey, you know? like, yeah, yeah, let's that's, go. That's really interesting. Yeah, but secretary, I've got yeah, my, my diaries wide open. My funnily enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so you know that, that's a really slow burn. Um, but there's, as you say, there's a lack of understanding and 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 there's a, a desire to just get to the point and get to the sales bit. But it doesn't work that way. No one's ever bought anything off a company they never heard of and no. don't know what they do and. In terms of thinking about the, what, what we were chatting about, mm. we've kind of covered a lot of it in terms of, you know, what you can do as an one individual. One minute six as well. It's one of my longer podcasts. What's that? One hour, six minutes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, tell me if we could. If, if we you're still here, up. well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me if we need to shut up. I mean, no. 
It's funny, it does sound like a little bit like two old geezers just like no. bemoaning the current state of things. But as I said, I think there's hopefully there's some decent volume and, and, and interesting features in here for people to listen to. But moving it on a bit, like I think we've covered a lot of what we can do as an individual, you know, within the current status quo, um, we have at our disposal, you know, events, PR, um, marketing via LinkedIn, uh, other digital marketing, uh, and then there's actual sales and, and the way in which we do that. Um, what do you think is a bright and shining future? Because what we're talking about, what, what I'm doing at the moment for David and what you're doing with Six Sales is optimizing the status quo. You know, it's mm -hmm. like we're accepting the fact that we've got channels of LinkedIn and uh, email, um, potentially a few others, but, but smaller, those are probably our two main channels, and then events and PR. But like, is that good enough? Where do we go from here? Because the system is so So you mean that, the so, so the shiny future of sales? Yeah. It's, you know, because you, you can't, and we've all, we must have all thought about it. You're like, oh, you know, is there, you know, I was old school sales, you know, I know how to pick up a phone. Could you imagine how badly that would, I think, go down if you were to try and cold call, you know, a senior marketeer? Yeah. That's obviously not. And, you know, WhatsApp can be intrusive. So I'm, I'm led towards thinking, and I don't have the answer, by the way. You know, this is just stuff which is always on my radar and I'm always considering. I'm led towards looking at consumer marketing and thinking about community and thinking about adding value to clients' lives. It's like, that feels like, where it's at mm. does that make sense yeah so i mean unsurprisingly i think i've probably touched upon quite a lot of the things that i think need to happen i think i'm a big fan of account-based marketing in b2b and account-based selling um and i think well i know sorry that on social media there is an enormous opportunity because there are so many eyeballs coming in so often reading their news feed and going away again, reading their news feed and going away again. Um, and so if you're consistent and frequent and interesting or entertaining or even both potentially, yeah. um, as people, you will exponentially increase your footprint, your visibility, your awareness, your familiarity, the trust in your brand. I can give you anecdotal um, companies that have done this. I won't name the brands, but there was one country head of a, a, an ad network, a big global ad network that was working in the UK, fairly small team, um, worked on getting their people active, thought leadership, talking about the industry, talking about attention and video and all of this good stuff. Um, and when this country head used to go into media agencies, he often heard from the media agencies, oh, we see you guys everywhere at the moment, where the reality was that they, they're not everywhere, they're just on LinkedIn. Yeah. And they're on LinkedIn consistently and through their people where the attention is. Um, so the bigger the company, the bigger the opportunity that they have. Um, I, I, I sent some emails out last night. It'd be interesting to know if I've got any responses actually, cause they were hyper personalized, right. uh, certainly not spray and pray, but, um, just sort of highlighting what, what their company looked like on LinkedIn. So saying, so you have this many followers on your company page. Um, there are 40 odd senior client facing execs i.e they're listed as being in sales or business development and their cxo vp or director level yep um of those only four of them posted anything in the last 30 days with an average follower um, per person of two and a half thousand your your um potential audience of eighty thousand people a week and potentially more if you get engagement and it goes out to a, is not happening and it's free 
It's organic and free. I mean, you know, I'm not asking you to pay money on LinkedIn advertising or anything like that, although that can help, you know, with the brand awareness and stuff. It's it's hiding in plain sight. The reason it influencer marketing has taken off so much is because it's people to people. I think one of the big factors that TikTok is so popular mm. is because it's people. Even the branding, even the advertising is just very much character-led. Now I hear Listen you. Listen to, um, and I know this might be a dirty word to you because um, you're sort of frenemies maybe, but if you listen to Orlando Woods, uh, System One, talk about the most effective TV advertising in the last 15 years, it's characters, dialogue, facial features, um, music, uh, a narrative that um, builds over time. It's all the stuff that people are really good at. I'm inclined to agree. And yeah, we, we're, we're friends. You know, thank you, Orlando, for paving the way for our superior stuff that we do at David. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was, oops. Um, but um, no, I'm inclined to agree. I was going to actually talk about TikTok because it's, we talked about understanding our buyers and what they do. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure like all of us, you know, if you have a, a, a moment's downtime, you might go to LinkedIn, but sometimes I just don't want to see <laughs> work. Yeah. So I will open up TikTok or, or whatever I do. And I've seen... Bad you news, know, I'm now on TikTok, so you'll open I'm, up oh, TikTok mate, don't and, and you'll start now seeing me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's... I'll follow I've you wherever it, you go. I've seen it work for... Um, so in VC, because I'm an accidental venture partner at Ascension, so I, I, I work in VC land a bit, uh, VC TikTok is now a thing, you know, and people are there and it's faces and very visible mm. and it does a very good job of driving that profile softer touch. And uh, you might know, you might come across a chap called Daniel Daggers who I once had a few meetings with and he's a, a, a very um, garrulous estate agent that sells super high-end properties in Dubai and London and New York. And um, yeah, he's adopted a very unique style on TikTok, yeah. uh, which works incredibly well for him. So yeah, that's it, yeah. I suppose. It's the people. is to go and put yourself in the place where those people are. Yeah. yeah. Every single social media platform started with the idea of connecting people with other people. That's what it's for. That's what you know, we're a social uh, creature. Um, we like social interaction. We've sort of grown up in packs and communities and all the, all the, all the like of it. And then the brands got involved, right? And that's great news for the social media platforms themselves because that's how they make their money. But it's still at the individual level, much more likely that you're going to pay attention to Barney than David. Sorry, David, but you are. Because I know Barney, he's another person. He's talking about something that I might be interested in. Yeah. Um, and, and as I said earlier, on, on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on wherever it might be, you are the content and the company is the advertising. Love it, Mike. You are pitching six cells very well here. Am I? Are, no, but Oops. you're right. You're right, though. It's true. I've seen I've borne out in the figures. Yeah. You know, if I talk about something on my personal LinkedIn and the, the, the engagement, the, the view, everything is higher. And incidentally, if I use pictures of our faces or videos of us on our corporate feed, hmm. the engagement is significantly higher. Yeah. So yeah, so it, people it's born out. Yeah. So people think. I got um, I, I put something on LinkedIn. I won't I won't uh, go into it now because we're literally one hour fourteen, yeah, and yeah, this exactly. this is almost enough. as long as the Rory Sutherland episode. That was three and, and, and a half hours with Rick Rubin. Oh, did you that, see? I know, the not day? that one. The yeah. one he did with me. It was like an hour and a half, I think. Right. Um, I, I sent it to a few people. I said, oh, "It's a bit long for a podcast." Mm. I said, well, "Yeah, you once you get Rory started, you can't stop him." But um, yeah, for, final sort of um, put, to put some numbers around what we were just talking about there. Um, we do some work with a really big, well-known, famous advertising agency and one of their uh, senior execs. And um, I, I did a, a comparison between 
likes, comments, and reshares of their company content versus the personal. Yeah. Um, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it was something like 1,600% more likes, 1,200. It's on LinkedIn if you want it. It's on my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Uh, 1,200 more comments, um, you know, personal versus company, and uh, 850% more shares. Yeah. Um, because it's a person... He's a well-known person. It's a really well-known agency. So it's not like a, oh, I've never heard of the agency, but I've heard of him kind of thing. Um, but it's, I want to see what this person's got to say. Yeah. And very final point on that, there was a, a trust survey done by Edelman and LinkedIn. They do it every year. Yeah, I really like to be buyers. Survey, yeah. yeah. And they asked um, what people want from thought leadership. And um, it was either 69 or 70% said, I want to see thought leadership from a person, uh, uh, how do they put it, an easily identifiable author rather than a faceless brand. Mm. Completely buy that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, look, I mean, we've chatted for a long time. We really have. And yeah. if you're still here, you should get some sort of prize. So message me on LinkedIn if you're listening to this bit here and I'll figure <laughs> out what that prize should be. Um, I hope it was interesting. Barney, lovely to see you again, mate. Good um, to see you, Mike. Really great conversation. One that we probably need to have more of. And if anyone else wants to jump on and give their perspective on what it's like to sell, because we spend all of our time in this industry talking about attention and um, all of that great stuff for our clients, but we don't spend maybe enough time thinking about how we can use those principles on creative effectiveness, on distinctiveness, yeah. on attention, on being the content, not the advertising. We definitely don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, not in this industry, that's a dirty word. Maybe that's why um, I'm not rich and famous yet because people are like, no, I, I want to be the advertising. We are the advertising. We, we sell advertising. Um, I'm, ra I'm rambling. Um, so um, yeah, if you want to jump on, uh, if you've got a view on selling media and tech um and you would like to jump on please let me know um if you're listening as i say let me know and i'll figure out what your price should be for such uh steadfast loyalty yeah. or yeah well done staying well done, power everyone. um and that's it so barney thank you very much for being on the six cells podcast really enjoyed it thanks mate cheers